Well, good morning again. We are so glad that you are here with us, whether you're here in person or whether you are joining us on the live stream or maybe you're watching this later in the week or later in the year or some other time. We're just very glad that you're with us. I am clearly not James Henry. I am Mark Hayes. I'm a member of St. James, has been for quite a while. And I'll be bringing the message this morning. So if you tuned in today and this is the first time that you've been here or the first time that you've watched the stream, just know that you may want to come back and try us again because I am not James Henry. But I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do my best. But So we are continuing a series this week about our favorite stories from the Bible and, uh, and what they mean for us. And when James asked me to do this a few weeks ago, and he said, so you can just preach on whatever, you, you know, your favorite story in the Bible. And it occurred to me, well, first I said, sure, okay, yes, I'll do that. And I immediately am thinking, I don't have a favorite story from the Bible. I have no idea what, there's like nothing that pops to mind. And I realized that, you know, I don't really have um, a favorite song of all time. I don't really have a movie that's my favorite of all time. I don't know if that's something wrong with me or not, but it's just not something I have. I don't do that. And I realize that more of what I have is I like have my favorite song right now. You know, this is, this is a song that's grabbed me and I really like it, or I have a favorite TV show, something I'm watching right now, or something like that. And as I thought about this kind of challenge that James had given me, I'm like, oh, but I know exactly what my favorite story of the Bible is right now. And it, it came to me during Soul Space. And if you don't know about Soul Space, I'm going to do a little pitch for Soul Space here. Soul Space is a little kind of contemplative, kind of gathering thing that we do on Tuesday evenings at 8 o'clock Eastern. Anybody is welcome to join. We do it over Zoom. The link is on the website. We'd love for you to come and join with us. And uh, what we do is uh, James will do a little meditation and we'll just kind of hang out together a little bit. And then what we have been uh, doing week by week is doing something called Lectio Divina. And if you don't know what that is, I'm not going to talk about that right now because I don't even know if I can explain it well enough to do it justice. Um, but you take a passage, maybe a poem, often something from the Bible, and you hear it three times, and you listen for God to speak to you through what you're reading, what you're hearing. And uh, we have been taking the Gospel of Mark, and we have doing it, been doing it in each tiny little section. Not a whole chapter, not a, just little pieces. And it's been amazing the conversations that we've had afterwards as we all talk about how we unpack it, what we felt, what we heard in this. And a few weeks ago, as we were reading Mark, uh, we were in chapter 9, this was the reading. And uh, it, it was like a song that I couldn't get out of my head after I heard it. And so after I thought about what James was saying to me, like, just, just talk about your favorite story, I'm like, oh, I actually know what that is right now. 
So this is from Mark chapter 9, starting with verse 14. And I'm, I'm going to set the stage here a little bit. What's happened is they've just, the transfiguration has just happened, okay? And so this is Jesus and a few of the disciples are up on the top of the mountaintop, and Elijah has come. The disciples are really confused. They don't know what to do. They were like, do you want us to build tents, uh, you know? And they're walking back down the mountain together, and Jesus, the disciples are still trying to figure out what is happening, and they've said, um, you know, we're a little confused because we thought Elijah was supposed to return before the Messiah, and we don't think Elijah's really returned, so, you know, what we're... And so Jesus is trying to explain this to them. And I can only imagine that, you know, Jesus was like, oh my gosh, the transfiguration just happened, and now you're questioning. He gets down to the bottom of the mountain, and, and this is where we pick up at verse uh, 14. When they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and some scribes arguing with them. When the whole crowd saw him, they were immediately overcome with awe, and they ran forward to greet him. He asked them, what are you arguing about with them? Someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought you my son. He has a spirit that makes him unable to speak. And whenever it seizes him, it dashes him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. And I asked your disciples to cast it out, but they could not do so. He answered them, You faithless generation, how much longer must I be among you? How much longer must I put up with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell to the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. It has often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you are able to do anything, have pity on us and help us. Jesus said to him, If you are able, all things can be done for the one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out, I believe, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You spirit that keeps this boy from speaking and hearing, I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. After crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so most of them said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he was able to stand. So, what is happening here? I can only imagine that this father of this child, what it would be like, what it would be like. We all suffer when our children suffer. 
And can you imagine having a child that you've seen in these convulsions, you know, like almost go into the fire, go into the water? How worried you would be for that child. You'd be, want to watch him all the time to make sure you were there. It would be the focus of your whole life. And you'd be like, why? Why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to him? What can I do? I'd do anything. We all do anything for our kids. And so I imagine that he heard that Jesus was going to be nearby, the rabbi. He was going to bring his son to see if Jesus could heal him. And he gets there, and Jesus is not there. Jesus is up on the mountain. We don't know what he's doing. Comes down the mountain. He's apparently had a long day. He's a little irritated with the disciples, which is also, he's, uh, he is, um, understandably, perhaps. Uh, and... But the father has brought his son, and he asks the disciples, well, can you heal him? And then the disciples are not able to heal him. And so I could also only imagine that the father's like, oh, my gosh, like now the disciples are not able to heal my son. And so when Jesus says to him, all things can be done for the one who believes, the father is like, well, uh, I believe, but I've got my doubts here. I mean, your disciples couldn't heal my son. I believe, help my unbelief. Help me with my unbelief. Now, what I, what really, I don't know, just really stuck with me from this as we sat with it in soul space was that Jesus doesn't say, oh, well, sorry, wrong answer. Back at the line. All the other stories, it's like, you know, your faith has healed you. Your belief has healed you. And here the Father is saying to Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief. What an honest thing for the Father to say in that moment. Jesus. And how does Jesus respond to that? With compassion. He heals his son. He doesn't say, try again. I'm sorry, what did you say? He heals his son. So that just stuck with me after Soul Space. I just kept hearing over and over, like, like a song that goes around in your head and around in your head when you have a favorite song. I just kept hearing, I believe, help my unbelief. I believe, help my unbelief. It just kept literally days on end, everywhere I went. Something would happen in my day. I believe, help my unbelief. So what does this say to us? Well, I've got two things here to offer about what I think we can take away from this. And the first thing is that we can have belief and unbelief at the same time. We, as, as James tells us all the time, we have a dualistic mind. We want black and white. We want one or the other. But that isn't 
reality. We can have belief and unbelief at the same time. And as I've talked to literally anybody that I've ever talked to about doubt, about faith, I've never met anybody that doesn't say, yeah, I've struggled with doubt. Uh, sometimes I don't know. I don't know this world that we're in. I don't know why it's the way we're in, and I'm not sure if God is hearing my prayers, and I don't, I don't know. I, I, sometimes I, I doubt. And that, what, I, what I see here is that Jesus in his response is saying, that's okay. You can have belief and unbelief at the same time, that these two things can be together, and that having doubt does not mean you don't believe. Having unbelief does not mean you don't believe. So that's the first thing that I see in this, is that, uh, that it's okay. That, that Jesus is saying, it's okay. It's okay. I'm healing your son. I am hearing your prayer. I believe, help my unbelief. The second thing that I take away from this is that um, it looks to me like God is okay with a lot of imperfection. And we should be too. That you look around at creation. I, I am... Uh, often reflect back on um, the idea that creation itself was the first Bible. The first way that God shows us how, uh, how he is or she is. And we look around at the world around us and, um, you know, I think about trees. Uh, trees put out so many seeds. Have you ever been at, you know, like in the fall when, um, you know, there's all those little whirlybird things are flying around everywhere or those, um, I don't even know what they are. They, they, those little seed things that come apart and they're just like seeds flying the wind everywhere. And very few of these actually become trees. There is a lot of failure going on there because a lot of those seeds just go and die. They don't become trees. But it's okay. Um, there's a lot, of, a lot of that in the world that uh, seems to be part of the design. And, uh, and it seems okay. It seems that God is okay with a lot of imperfection. I, um, <laughs> I'm always amazed that whenever, very few times that I have brought the message, which has not been very often, but it is very interesting to me that while I'm kind of like thinking about what to do, uh, that these things just start popping up in front of me everywhere I go. Uh, this image uh, today was one of those. Uh, when I started to, I make the images every week and I use a, Adobe Stock. And when I went to Adobe Stock uh, and the banner image was that. I was like, really? That, that was just like too wild. Well, one of these things happened this week. Um, I get Richard Rohr's daily meditation. 
and I was behind. Uh, I hadn't been able to keep up with it, and I was just reading through the unread ones, you know, in the mornings. And this one is the one that popped up in my feed, and I want to share it with you, because I think that Richard brings a lot to this and says it far better uh, than I ever could. It's entitled, God is Revealed in Our Lives. So this is from Richard. Let, let's state it clearly. One foundational and yet revolutionary idea of the Bible is that God is manifest in the ordinary, in the actual, in the daily, in the now, in history, in the concrete incarnations of life. God does not hold out for the pure, the spiritual, the right idea, or the ideal anything. Apparently, the biblical God would much rather be in relationship than merely be right in solitude. And this is why Jesus stands religion on its head. But it is also why we have to go through the seemingly laborious, boring, or even disturbing books of the Bible. And I just thought that this is perfect for a whole series about our stories of the Bible. We have to go through these boring or even disturbing books of the Bible, such as Joshua, Judges, Kings, Chronicles, Leviticus, Numbers, and Revelation. We hear in these books about sin and war, adulteries and affairs, kings and killings, intrigues and deceits, the tragic and sad events of human life along with the ordinary and wonderful. In the Bible, we see God using the very wounded lives of very ordinary people who would never have passed the tests of later Roman canonization process. Moses, Deborah, Elijah, Paul, and Esther were at least complicit in murdering. David was an adulterer and a liar. There were rather neurotic prophets like Ezekiel, Obadiah, and Jeremiah, an entire history of ridiculously evil kings and warriors. Yet all these are the ones God works through, and they are not summarily dismissed. Just like this father, just like this father was not summarily dismissed when he said, mm, yeah, I've got some unbelief here, Jesus, I'm not a little, I'm a little unsure. So it's really not God that expects perfection. It seems to be all over this, right? It seems to be the story of the Bible is that there's a lot of imperfection here. It's us that expects perfection. It's people that ask for perfection. We expect it or want it sometimes in ourselves, in the people around us, our coworkers, our spouses, our partners, our children, our parents, our coworkers, our leaders. So if God's okay with imperfection, then maybe we need to accept a little imperfection too. 
maybe we need to sort of, as one of my friends used to often say, I'm like, maybe we just need to like take it down a thousand. Maybe we just need to be okay with some imperfection, maybe a lot of imperfection. Because God responds with love and compassion to that imperfection. And I think that's what this story is telling us, is that we should, too, for ourselves, for ourselves and for those around us. So, what do we do? How do we respond to this? What's our assignment, as James was saying, coming out of this? What do we do with this? Well, first of all, and I've got two things to offer here. The first thing is, I think, prayer. And frankly, I think that's the answer to a lot of things. But I think that's the answer here, because that was the Father's honest response to Jesus. That was really his prayer. I believe, help my unbelief. You know, there's, a, there's just a lot of suffering in the world around us. Everybody is dealing with something. That's the other thing I've really seen in my just own experience of, you know, talking to anybody I've ever talked to. Like when you really get to know someone, really find out that everybody is struggling with something. It doesn't matter how much money you have or how little money you have, where you're from, the color of your skin, Everybody is struggling with something. And I, so I really think that part of what Jesus was telling us to do is to pray about it. He gave us a daily prayer when the, when the disciples were like, come on, like, can you just tell us like, how to do this? He's like, okay, well, if you need a daily prayer, here's a daily prayer. I think we're called to have a daily prayer practice. So I want to recommend something that I use, and it may not be your thing, but it's like the, um, you know, there's an app for that. Um, there's an app called Hallow. It took me, I've looked for good prayer apps, and I, I have to tell you that I haven't really found that many, that I, I haven't shown you, I found one that I actually like, and it's Hallow. Now, I will tell you that it is, uh, it's a Catholic prayer app, but you don't have to be Catholic to use it, and you can maybe not, if you don't like the Catholic things, you can use the other things. There's a lot of stuff inside this app. It does require a subscription if you decide you really like it. So it may not be for you. Um, but I needed something that created a little bit of um, training wheels. You know, I needed something that would help me know to do it every day, and it will remind me. And if I haven't done it at the end of the day, it'll send me a little notification that says, hey, don't, you don't, you're on, you're on a streak. Don't lose your streak. Like, get a prayer in before bedtime. So it helps me remember and stay on track with that. So that might work for you, or maybe you've got another prayer practice. I don't know, but I, I can tell the difference. I can tell a really big difference in the mornings where I am able to, even if it's just five minutes, 10 minutes in a busy day. And I think that's what the father in this story is telling us, you know, like, you be honest. Be honest. And I don't know, how, how does one do that with Jesus standing right there amongst all the disciples to say, 
I believe, but help my unbelief. Um, but if that's what you're struggling with right now, Jesus is not going to say, well, sorry. So the second thing I think that I take away from my new favorite story of the Bible for the moment is that we too are called to respond in love to imperfection, to the imperfection around us. I think that's what Jesus is trying to show us in his example here, that we are called to respond with love and compassion to imperfection. That's what we can do to make a difference. Forgive, love. I really liked this saying that, uh, from Mother Teresa that uh, from, the, uh, from the centering moment this morning, I used, to pray, I used to believe that prayer changes things, but now I know that prayer changes us and we change things. I think that we, um, this is not easy to do, I think. I, I, we all face our challenges in the daily workday, around our coworkers, around the people in our lives, and we really want them to be different. We really want them to be what we want them to be, you know, like when they aren't that, when they don't get it done the way we think it ought to be done, or they're not handling it the way they want to handle it, or, you know, it doesn't feel like the assignment got turned in on time, or whatever it is, um, that, you know, we just sometimes just want to shake them, but, but that's okay. Maybe, and so maybe imperfection is thinking about, like, I just want it to be done my way. It may not even be perfection in the way that you're thinking of it or I'm thinking of it either. It may be, let me be okay with my own imperfection, my own times when I fall short. And I, I thought of, there's a, there's a painting uh, that is from the story of the, it's a, it's a reflection on the story of the prodigal son. And it's the moment when the prodigal son has returned to the father. And it's a painting of the father just holding that son. And I think that, uh, that these, these two ideas together of taking it in prayer and being gentle with ourselves when, we, when we're frustrated with the people around us because they didn't do it the way we wanted it done or something, that, um, that that's what I hear from this story. Prayer, ask God, and respond with love to the imperfection around us. So we're going to do things a little bit differently this morning. Uh, we have not been doing communion uh, because of... Omicron and the, the surge of infections have been going around. Maybe we're about to see the end of that. I don't know, but uh, we will. I know that uh, folks are watching that, and there will be a decision made about that. But we're gonna. Uh, we usually right now have communion and use this as our time for 
giving and supporting the mission. And so I just want to make a moment here to ask you to consider supporting our mission. You can do that if you're here in person with those old-fashioned little brass plates in the back of the room. Uh, you can do it on our website. There's also a way to text to give. Uh, there's all sorts of ways that you can help us continue to do what we do here on the West End. That if you, uh, if you like being part of this community and you want to support this community, uh, the work that we do through the food bank, the work that we do to try and help make a difference, uh, we would invite you to do that. And we're, we're going to have our moment of prayer, and we're going to do this a little bit differently today, and then after the prayer, we're going to go right into the sending out. And what I want to invite you to do is we're going to have sort of a silent prayer while James is bringing us some music to us. And I want you to use this moment, I want to invite you to use this time to maybe just sit with God, maybe just be quiet, maybe just do it as a centering prayer moment for yourself. Maybe you might want to let the words of this song be your prayer today. Maybe you're struggling with all the imperfection in the world around us and not knowing where is all of this going. And you really want to have an honest, direct conversation with God about that and say, you know, maybe, maybe it is I believe, help my unbelief. Maybe that's, maybe that's where you are right now. Whatever that is. We'll have a moment, we'll, we'll, we'll have silent prayer with that song, and then we're going to have a little bit more of our traditional prayer in the middle, and we'll, we will uh, say the Lord's Prayer there. There will be a version of the Lord's Prayer uh, on the screens. Uh, it may not be the version that you pray, and it may not be actually the version I pray, uh, so I just want to give you the heads up about that. I have the sort of traditional version of the Lord's Prayer in my head. So you may hear words coming out of my mouth that are really different than the words on the screen, but that's okay. So just pray the version that you like in whatever language that you want to pray it in. Let that be your prayer. And, uh, and then we are going to have a little bit more silent prayer uh, together. So please join me in this moment in silent prayer. Relax my soul 
that are on our hearts today. The world around us is sometimes seems really full of a lot of imperfection. And we don't know why the world is the way it is. But we know that you are with us know that you are okay with a lot of imperfection in the world and with us. And we ask that you would help us through those struggles. Be with us in all of those moments. We also ask you to Help us be okay with imperfection in ourselves 
people around us, people in our lives, that we could learn to respond the way that we see your son Jesus responding in this story. Love and compassion. We ask that you would help us through those moments where we need you. We need you in our lives. We need your strength and guidance as we try to follow in the path that you have laid out for us. We recommit ourselves today to following you, Lord. We ask you to help us believe. We ask you to help us to respond in love. And we thank you for your son, Jesus, who came to live amongst us to show us what you were like show us what love means, to show us to respond with love, to hold us when we're like the prodigal son returning, and you just hold us, and we ask you to hold us right now. And we pray the prayer that your son taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation and deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And we'll continue in prayer as we close out this song together. Lord, let this be our prayer today with you.
alone We abandoned everything To your hands, our lives To your path, our feet Till we were alone We abandoned everything To your hands, my life To your path, my feet Till we were alone I abandoned everything